Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, we're back in the room together. Exactly six feet apart. We have a friend who's six foot tall. He's just laying down in between us. <laughs> Good to be back in, in a room with someone. It does feel a lot better to be live rather than doing FaceTime. Yeah, this is a little more conducive to um, reading body language. And you know, now we don't have to worry about finishing each other's sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. It's good to be in person. Yeah. You all hanging in there? Oh, I left my family weeks ago. Oh. Yeah, I've been camping awkward. out at Moore Square Park and oh, nice. just living off the land. Yeah. <laughs> as mean, God intended. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's in there somewhere, but I can't remember which commandment it is. It's you leave your family. During times of crisis. the worst time yeah. that they could possibly be going through and, <laughs> and uh, go find yourself. <laughs> We're hanging in. These are such weird times that we're in. I'll use the most overused word of the year, unprecedented times. Mm, I hadn't heard that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trademark. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thankful that we're still able to record a few Epipods remotely. Let's see, which ones were remote? We got The Cure. The Cure. Beatles. Live? Nope. Live was live. Live was live? Live was our last live. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Was it just Cure and Beatles? Janet Jackson. Oh, and Janet Jackson. Yeah. Speaking of that, Matt, I don't know if the people know that you run our social media and you do a great job and you put out clues mm-hmm. leading up to each epipod. Yep. There are times when you'll put some clues out there and I'll think no one's ever going to get that. Right. And yet... I got to give a couple shout outs here on, on some of the clues that people have actually correctly guessed and leading up to our Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 epipod. You know, one of the clues was just... Some military men. I think it's from a movie. I don't remember what movie it was from. Yeah. Like immediately, loyal listener John Stevenson chimed in. He's like, Rhythm Nation? Whoa. That blew my mind. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Of course, he he also was the one who correctly guessed. We did a a social media contest coming out of the uh, Cure Epipod where we had somewhere in in the middle of the episode whispered promotion of a a certain soft drink. Mm -hmm. He got that one too. So he has like a... A beautiful mind. Yeah, that's it. He's, is he the beautiful mind guy. He is the beautiful mind guy, and <laughs> just not seeing other people. He's yeah. just got a beautiful mind. <laughs> that's right. He'll be getting a handy finest work songs T-shirt coming his way. When, hey, when it's not like frowned upon to send things through the mail. Is it frowned people. upon right now? Should oh, I stop sending bats to people? You should. You should probably stop sending bats. All right. Send me back your bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, impressive work there with the code breaking. One other thing, sort of social media related, you know, one sort of personal goal we've had, or at least I've had for the season is to get all of our episodes to 200 downloads. It actually means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Almost like the Mendoza line in baseball. It just kind of sounds good. It's a nice round number. For the most part, we're getting there. So there are a couple of uh, uh, epipods that have not reached that magical threshold quite yet. So You're going to shame some people? I'm not, I'm not shaming the people. <laughs> I'm, I'm shaming the listeners for not getting us there. Let's help us get our epipods on you know, the National and Neutral Milk Hotel. Get those over that finish line. Matt, what will you do? If all our epipods Mm. get up to 200, what will you do? I will eat a bat on this floor. (laughs) That sounds a little dangerous. How about if we get to 200, the listeners get to pick what you eat at Arby's? Come on, big Montana. Um, (laughs) Is that a listener or is that something you could eat? (laughs) That was my nickname in high school. Um, and it'll oh, make man. me happy to watch you eat watch some Arby's. Just roll down my chin. Yeah, I'm going to film it. Slow motion. Instagram live. <laughs> That'll go viral. 
And by that, I mean, it'll start a new virus that gets spread. <laughs> Matt, this actually is a podcast where we talk about great albums. Oh, yeah, and right. so we should probably get to that. Uh, what album are we covering today? Today, we are really excited to talk about an album that just turned 25 years old. The Bends by Radio. Oh man, this is one of those albums. Where do we? Be- I feel like this should be a three-parter. This one is so freaking hard to find any fault whatsoever. Well, as always, we like to start with our memories. Matt, what is your memory of Radiohead, The Bends, or just Radiohead in general? Probably like ninety-nine percent of the the world. My first introduction and interaction with Radiohead was when Creep came out and was such a massive hit. That would have been, what, 93? Yeah. So I was a senior in high school. That was one of those songs that lyrically, you're just like, that speaks to me as a angsty high school kid. Especially it, early 90s. Oh, like, yeah. Like, this is when grunge, yep. self-loathing, and mm-hmm. introspection was popular. It still had enough nuance to it that it was not like everything else you heard on the radio, but it obviously became a huge hit. It was which, that Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> yep. Creep was so big. I kind of dismissed them as a one-hit wonder at that time. I didn't get into the bins two years later, three years later. I actually have to give props to previous guest and my wife, <laughs> Charity, for really introducing me in a deeper way to Radiohead. She was into them more than I was. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we started dating was when OK Computer came out. Yeah. And we were still on the tail end of a time when MTV showed videos, some. Right. I remember Paranoid Android video was on a lot. That's to us sort of a song that we think about relating to the early days of of our relationship. Mm -hmm. I sort of backed into the bends because I I missed it, you know, when it initially came out. Yeah. And it took me a little while to get to know the entire album from start to finish. It's just fantastic. So what about you? What's your, what's your memory of of the bends? I grew up around the sea, but actually I, I would not go into the sea because I was scared of it. I had lost my father at a young age in a boating accident. The seaside town I lived in was extremely pleasant. Each person was kind. I knew everyone. They knew me. Everyone was very supportive of me. And I felt like I was kind of the star of the show. My life was going along just fine until I started to notice some weird things happening. One day I looked up and saw a stage spotlight fall out of the sky. And (laughs) I started to ask questions like, what else is out there? I kind of started wanting to travel and wanted to maybe explore even the ocean. Things started getting real tense with my wife. She left. But I decided that I was going to do whatever I could to get out of what was quickly becoming a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I was able to sail my boat, almost died and drowned from the storm, but I was able to get to what was a wall in the middle of the ocean. Mm. And then a big voice came over and tried to get me to stay in this world that I'd lived in. I found out later this was the producer of this fake world. And the voice came over and, you know, he said, how did you know And I said, it was the fake plastic trees. (laughs) If you'd had a higher production value and had real trees. (laughs) They could create a storm in the ocean, but the trees were still crap. Yeah. That's bad. They underestimated my acumen. And then the guy said, listen, when you go out there, there's this band called Radiohead, and they've got an album called The Bends. You should check it out. So I said, thanks. 
mystery voice. Every time that you do one of these memories, they just keep getting dumb and dumber. (laughs) (laughs) My real memory of the Benz is, like you, Matt, I had heard Creep. And my friend uh, who lived in my neighborhood that I'd give a ride to school, Rob Noble, every day would hop in the car, take the tape out that I had in and put in Pablo Honey because he wanted to hear Creep particularly. You know, oh, yeah. and so, yeah. hey, that's in my Ford Escort with my bass cannon. Nice. So that, you know, you get to that chum, chum, yep. and it was like hitting hard and, and <laughs> as long as I had the lights on yeah, right. so that the bass <laughs> cannon was activated. <laughs> but that was it. You know, as I mentioned before in college, I went down sort of a musical path of just mm-hmm. more acoustic based music, yep. Vertical Horizon mm-hmm. and Dave Matthews Band mm-hmm. and Guster, who I still love Guster. And I joined this band later in college. I ran track at JMU and I had injuries that ended my career. And around that time, I got a phone call from a friend from high school and she lived in Richmond and she said, I'm putting a band together to play this show would you want to join in? And I just ended tracks. I don't know what to do with my time Mm -hmm. after all these years. So I'm going to jump into this. So this ended up being a weekly thing where I would drive to Richmond on a Thursday. We would play this bar three hours. And then often I would drive back from Richmond to Harrisonburg, would get home about 5 a.m. In this particular time, two of my roommates were into Radiohead. So I grabbed the bins for the drive. And I'll never forget driving back 3 a.m. I'm heading over Afton Mountain and I'm listening to the bends and the song Bones comes on. And I hear the tremolo slow down. And then I realize that he is manually slowing this tremolo down. It almost felt like a new world was opening up. The box that I had placed recording and guitar and music in, there was something that said, you could do whatever you want. That just blew me away when Johnny Greenwood did that. And then this whole album, especially his guitar playing on this album, captured me. And that was a turning point for me out of a lot of that music that I'd listened to. Yeah, Johnny, for me, broke all the rules. It's funny to think, too, that he was the kid brother that was an afterthought in the band. Mm -hmm. They formed in Abington in 1985. Tom and Colin, I think, were the earliest in there. Colin plays bass. They got Ed O'Brien, and Mm -hmm. from what I heard, one of the reasons that Tom liked him is that he looked like Morrissey (laughs) in terms of his style, Mm -hmm. you know? And then they convinced Phil Selway, who was a year older, to play with them. Mm-hmm. And their band was called On a Friday because they practiced on a Friday. Sure. I feel like we need to do an epipod just about all the early band names. Oh, that man. Bands that, that would be a fun one to do. Yeah. Because yeah. On a Friday is just terrible. And they started talking about if they were scheduled to play on a Thursday. You know, <laughs> this Thursday here on a Friday. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, they were able to get past that. But yeah, Johnny, this genius guitar player, was Colin's younger brother and just wanted to be in the band. And finally, Tom let him come on stage and play harmonica oh, yeah. on a song. Nice. This is also the time when they had horns. So, oh wow. I don't want to know what Jeez. Radiohead sounded like back then. No. Well, they weren't. They were all on a Friday. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump in. The band known for Creep, with that being kind of an albatross mm-hmm. hung around their neck. This 
quick stardom where they're this English alternative band playing that MTV spring break mm-hmm. uh, playing creep. It seems like they were kind of stuck out of their element, out of their element, yeah. but they go into the studio. They put together the bins, which starts with planet Telex. After they had gone out and basically drank a lot of wine and he sang it lying down in the studio drunk it sounds pretty good yeah it does anytime i've been you know, lying down trying to talk or, or anything you're not nearly as full-throated as you know obviously standing up so to, to get that from lying down not a bad night's work way to go tom the songwriting on the bends mm-hmm. is way better than pablo honey mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder if mm-hmm. pablo honey had just been an ep a couple songs that a band put together and then got signed after that. Mm -hmm. What if this had been their first full length? I think it speaks more to who they were. Then you also wonder if they really were pushed into a direction musically by the success of Creep. Right. Hard to say what a band would become without what they experienced early on and and throughout their career. Yeah, You think about a band like Weezer and their response to the Blue album Mm -hmm. was to create Pinkerton. Yeah. One school of thought that it's their greatest album ever. And then there are others who would think it's it's unlistenable, you know. Yeah. And, and so it's you probably wouldn't have the bends without Pablo Honey mm-hmm. and the success of Creep. If nothing else, you know, we should be grateful that that happened. I mean, Creep's not a bad song. No, no. Creep was what it was. It just they didn't want it to blow up, and mm-hmm. the rest of the album wasn't as strong. One of the things that is impressive about Radiohead is three guitars, mm-hmm. and they're never playing the same thing. No. Oftentimes, Ed is playing some sort of lead. But he gets out of the way of Johnny and all his noises. And if Johnny takes the lead, then Ed's doing some noises. I mean, mm-hmm. they're incredibly talented. Yep. Even Tom, when you watch him play, I mean, it's not just give that guy a guitar and let him strum. Right. I mean, they, they play some really unique stuff. Coming off of the success of, of Creep, obviously there was a lot of pressure to follow that up. And commercially, the Benz 
was it like a huge hit no initially i think even at one point the label even threatened to drop them gosh can you imagine hindsight is often 2020 in these discussions about these great albums yeah there, there's this you know, pivotal breaking point where albums just never going to get made or bands going to be dropped or the band sort of caves to pressure and goes commercial yeah and, yeah. and, and reworks everything and you know, who knows what that would have looked like and so uh, you know, again, just very close to probably not having the Benz as an album. Thank goodness those wily record executives <laughs> didn't get their way. <laughs> Next track is the title track. This is the Benz. I just want to listen to the whole song. Right. Where we stop there. I mean, to me, that's like the first indication of the radio head sound you're going to hear from here on out. This ability to kind of take a song that's catchy and could have been under a different producer and a different ethos, like a poppy song, Mm -hmm. but then throwing in sounds and a different percussion and just so many different noises that are going on yeah that's radiohead and they do it so well and they're really one of those bands that you should listen to with headphones on i'll never forget listening to sergeant pepper's only hearts club band with headphones on Mm -hmm. and at the end of a day in the life if you listen long enough you hear like him stand get up yeah and radiohead is full of that kind of stuff yeah listening in your car even with the volume cranked up you're not going to catch those nuances and those sounds have you heard what those noises are at the beginning no they were on tour Mm -hmm. and there was a kind of a marching band but it was like eight-year-olds 
And then there's this like band director yelling at these kids in what seems to be a over the top mm-hmm. way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Tom has some sort of field recorder and goes out and records the guy. So if you listen real close, it's kind of like this tink, 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 you know? And yeah. then the guy goes, pick it up. Like he's like <laughs> yelling at these kids, but that's what starts the bids. There you go. Yeah. I wonder if any of those kids grew up and listened to the bends and was like, wait, that's old, that's old man Thompson. Yeah. He was so mean. And he's now immortalized for being a jerk. (laughs) Is this song about Tom's grandmother? Cause he says, baby's got depends. (laughs) 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 It seems a little insensitive to sing about. Uh, Okay. I see where you're going. No, it's, it's actually, it's a weird narrative where he's writing about when they finally make the dirty dancing sequel. Uh Uh-huh. 30 years later and baby oh baby baby has depends yeah, yeah that's at that it. point you're more than welcome to put baby in the corner yeah, because just, just if she's gonna there. be doing her business yeah put yeah. baby in a corner please yeah, i'm sure it was like really sad when they tried to reenact the patrick swayze picking her up <laughs> over his head and they're both in their you know, 70s or they did it where she's in one of those wheelchairs that has the slowly it goes up the stairs going up the stairs like in gremlins you know and so he's <laughs> kind of waiting there and she's like going up real slowly <laughs> no i know it's the bends which is i think very clever on their part what scuba divers mm-hmm. suffer from if they come up too quickly mm-hmm. without depressurizing mm-hmm. the idea that radiohead rose to fame too quickly mm-hmm. so that's what they're suffering from i yep. think is very clever and also tom was really shook up by that rise to fame yeah they were really messed up by getting famous for just one song and maybe they were fearful that that would be it for them. I think it hit them a little harder because for a while, even with the success of Creep, they were probably in somewhat of a bubble being where they were. I remember him saying, you know, they would see people around wearing like Creep t-shirts and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think they fully expected and, and realized how big it had become until you're, you know, being introduced at MTV Spring Break. And yeah, that was kind of the moment that juxtaposed who they had become. Mm-hmm. And it was just so awkward. I remember watching it. I don't think I saw it live. I just right. remember they played it over and over again. And it just seems like these guys look so out of place mm-hmm. and awkward right now. Yeah. Also, aside from Ed, they have a different look. Ed is like standing in the back, four inches taller than everybody and yep. looking like Morrissey. Right. <laughs> so he always kind of stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he be off playing polo, Ed? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember... SNL years ago when they did like a Michael Bublé Christmas duet. Oh, yeah. And yeah. who was it who played Tom? Who was Tom it that York? did Tom? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was Fred Armisen. Oh, does, really? Yeah. Yeah. Almost like having like a seizure dancing. That's right. You know? That's right. Like he, he nailed it. It's not like he's got this smooth, prototypical front man no. stage presence. And that's part of what made them look so out of place at MTV Spring Break, where these dudes over there like doing push-ups before they say (laughs) action, except for Ed. I wonder if it ever bothered Ed that he was so good looking. Yeah, right. Or if they made fun of him. They're like, look at you, pretty boy. Pretty boy. Yeah. (laughs) The next song was the first single released from the Benz. This is High and Dry. Yeah. 
Kind of surprising to me that that wasn't a bigger hit. It's got a very singable chorus. It was included to be a hit, mm-hmm. and I think it didn't deliver. Right. Apparently, it's an old song, and I found an old version of it where Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom's band Headless Chickens recorded it. Headless Chickens. Yeah, and you can actually go on and someone uploaded a video of his band Headless Chickens wow. doing it, and it's terrible. It's in like 1988 though. So it's interesting to me to hear a version of the song thinking that he wrote that that long ago and that mm-hmm. the melody was still intact, but he does not like this song. They haven't played it since 1998. He still doesn't like the song? No, he said it's very bad and they weren't into it. In fact, hmm. I think he brought it to Radiohead early, like Pablo Honey years when they started, and they dismissed it as being too Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> it does have a forever young kind of vibe to yeah. it. <laughs> Got a little Maggie Mae in there. My sister went and saw Rod Stewart when I was growing up. Does she think he's sexy? I'm sure she does. I think I was four or five years old. The thing I remember is that he kicked soccer balls out into the crowd. Oh, yeah. He's a big Celtic fan, I think. When I remember Did he kick that, them hard and he like bust people's like lips? That's what I'm saying is I remember that now and I think you could never do that now. Someone no. would sue you instead of just enjoying getting a soccer ball kicked right. in their face by Rod Stewart. <laughs> A Rod Stewart feel to it. That's interesting. Yeah. Too pretty? Too clean? Yeah, I think that's probably it. I mean, it's pretty and clean for Radiohead. If other bands of their ilk did it, still be, I think, even more clean and prettier. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still got their stamp on it. I think it felt like a ballad to them. Mm. I'm guessing that's what they meant by Rod Stewart. With what they were listening to and and what they wanted to do, I don't Mm -hmm. think this fit. To us, it fits in the bins because it's on the bins and we're Mm -hmm. used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing too, if you've had a song for seven years yeah. and it's never worked and you guys keep dismissing it and then the record company makes you put it on, you're probably not that into it. Right. But it does kind of break up the album a little bit too, with all the, the noise and the kind of angst. But Fake Plastic Trees does that too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did you know it's about Evil Knievel? I assumed it was. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the lyrics are great. The idea of being in midair, watching all the ground beneath you drop. Mm-hmm. Then it's so sad about the fame that he achieves and his end is just being all broken up, wishing you could still make love. So he's got the fame, but he's not happy. It's a downer of a song, right. even for Radiohead. <laughs> right. God, man, Evil Knievel. I mean, he was the man Yeah. when I was a kid. There couldn't be an Evil Knievel now. No. Now everybody who's got a phone wants to film themselves doing a stunt can do it. It wouldn't be impressive at all. Well, you know, we've bemoaned the downfall of MTV mm-hmm. and their departure from videos but we should probably also give thanks to Evil Knievel because without Evil Knievel, there's no jackass. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> Not to get too much on the departure, but that was even before smartphones. Now, anyone with a smartphone is a jackass. Right. <laughs> Literally anyone. Literally. I mean, I am a jackass because <laughs> I own a smartphone. Yeah. Next song on the album is their biggest hit off this album. It was the third single released, Fake Plastic Trees. The green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic from a rubber man in a town full of rubber plants to get rid of So the video for this one, they're in the supermarket, and they're all in, what would they call them, buggies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buggies. Shopping carts. Mm-hmm. I guess being pushed around, all of them, mm-hmm. which is funny, because especially Ed is like 6'3 or something. Right. He's huge. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, maybe he's actually only like 5'11, but the other guys are so short, <laughs> but he looks so tall. It's funny to think that they probably had an extra big one for Ed. But yeah, they're, they're just being pushed around, and, and he's singing. They had said that half the song is Tom and an acoustic. So they couldn't yeah. have the band just standing around. Right. So, you know, naturally put them in buggies, push yeah. them around the uh, grocery store. This is one of those songs that you feel like has been, or could be omnipresent in like dramatic TV shows. Like Grey's Anatomy would, would yeah. use it. So I was trying to find, like, Oh, where, where all has this song been used? And mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that it was in clueless. Yeah. It was a sort of a way to say, Oh, you're cool. And you're in the know. Yeah. If you know Radiohead. Well, it was the one character in that movie that was into alternative music. Wasn't that Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Rudd's one of those actors that I don't know why he's so beloved and famous. And I don't mean that I don't like him. I think he has a kind face. Really wonder if it's that. I mean, and he's, has he ever really played like a bad person? Famous people treat him like he's super famous. And I guess he is. (laughs) I just don't understand it. Again, I don't dislike him. Right. It's just, 
it feels odd to me. Yeah. But yeah, they used Radiohead as an example of substance in that movie. Fun fact about the video, Norman Reedus of Walking Dead fame was one of the people pushing around the oh. shopping carts, I found out. Wow. I obviously didn't know that, but <laughs> as I researched this epipod, I found that out, which is pretty cool. Do so you watch Walking Dead? We've watched the first episode of it and really, really liked it. I think the pilot is incredible. And I don't know why we didn't watch any more. I mean, we really did like yeah. it. That's the, the, the blessing and the curse with streaming mm-hmm. is, oh, shiny thing over here. And then you, you get into watching Kimmy Schmidt and next thing you know, you're, <laughs> right. you're two weeks in and you're like, oh crap, I forgot about Walking Dead. Yeah. I ended up getting into it. I don't do scary. Yeah. I've mentioned that before, but there's some Kimmy things. Schmidt's not scary. Well, I mean. <laughs> She's in a bunker, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> that cult leader is terrifying. While I don't do scary, the post-apocalyptic appeal is strong. Although the funny part is, is so you've seen the pilot. Mm-hmm. If you would go to, let's say, season four and just turn on any episode in the middle, the zombies, I don't know what it is. They get so much more slow and lethargic. Really? In that first episode, yeah. it's like Carl Lewis sprinting at you. You know, they are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're oh, yeah. like the Terminator yeah. or something. And then later on, they're kind of wandering into trees you know, zombies nearby and, and the people are just kind of hanging out talking like, oh, there's a zombie. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be two minutes before he gets here. So we've got time to finish our conversation before we have to kill him. But that first one, it's like, you remember, they're descending yeah, yeah. on him and oh, he's yeah. in that tank and everything. Mm-hmm. So it is funny how they maybe decided it's going to be a hurdle in the plot if they're always that powerful and strong. <laughs> So part of the difficulty with these tracks is that we are listening to the beginning of a lot of them and we're missing when Johnny comes in and does his amazing work. And so this next song, just, we're just going to jump right to the meat of it. I mean, he's got like three solos mm-hmm. in there. They build and build. It's so intense. Gosh, I love it so much. And it's not all about speed. No. It's, it's, no. it's intensity. It's building up. It's, it's musical. Mm-hmm. It fits within the song. Yeah. The best solos aren't just 
some dude just shredding, shredding Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani <laughs> or Steve Vai or something. Gosh, I've got a Steve Vai story for you. Who doesn't? So there was this guy and he was a really accomplished guitarist and like worship, like Steve Vai and that sort of thing. And he came over one time and he had a hatchback. He opened up the hatchback and was able to plug his electric guitar into his car stereo. And so he's sitting there in my driveway, just going to town. <laughs> this guy's ready wherever he goes to show off. And also one time we went to Bush Gardens uh-huh. with a youth group trip and this guy gave cocaine to a goat. <laughs> that same guy? Yeah. All right, what happens to goats when they get cocaine? The goat created like the greatest like album of all time. <laughs> Doug was with me and, and we've talked about that memory. We were like, remember when that guy, A, had cocaine? At a, at a youth group trip. At a youth group trip and gave it to a goat? Doug thinks that uh, it wasn't cocaine after all, but uh, I don't know. He pulled out a little white vial of something. Why would you carry that around with yeah. you? When when the whole Enron thing was going mm-hmm. on you're, and, and John Stewart was still hosting the Daily Show, he was doing a bit about Enron and you know their process for covering up stuff. He made a comment. He said, these lackeys at Enron would take all the papers uh-huh. into an offsite facility that they called the Shred Palace. And he goes, incidentally, it's also the name of, of Steve Vai's house <laughs> or Joe Satriani. It's one of the two. And of course, the, 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 the image they put behind is of like him like shredding on guitar, making like the ultimate guitar face. You yeah, know? yeah. I love the, the idea of the, the Shred Palace <laughs> name of their house. Yep. But yeah, back, back to you know Johnny Greenwood. He's got more creativity. And it's not just about what Johnny's doing, the band serving him behind him, mm-hmm. you know, Phil Snare playing along with part of that solo at different points. Mm-hmm. It's a song that they're creating. It's not all about Johnny, although he is a genius. Have you ever seen the video for this one? Do you remember the video? I don't remember the video for this one. So the whole video is subtitled. It's Radiohead. They're in an apartment. There's a man walking through the city. He basically just stands there. And in the next shot you see, he's laying on the ground and a guy trips over him. And the guy's like, get up, get up, you know, and the crowd kind of comes around a cop comes over and they're trying to implore this man mm-hmm. to stand up. Like, what's wrong? Why don't you just tell us? You're kind of like, what's wrong with this guy? This is creepy. Meanwhile, Radiohead's playing up in this upper apartment. It gets to the point kind of where this guitar solo is about mm-hmm. to start. And the guy's like, you want me to tell you? And they're like, yes, tell us. He's like, you really want me to tell you? Yes. He said, God, forgive me for telling you and God help us all. And then all of a sudden the subtitles drop out and he's looking up at them and starts talking and you don't know what he says, Mm -hmm. but then there's a camera shot over the sidewalk and every single person in the crowd is just lying down in these weird positions. And it's a big mystery. What did the guy say? Right. They've sworn that they'll never tell what the guy said to make everybody lie down. A blood oath. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. I love those little tricks and mysteries like that. You know, one of my favorite Monty Python bits of all time is the funniest joke ever written where, you know, the guy writes a joke so funny that he literally dies laughing. So then the British army starts (laughs) using it in war against the Germans. But the Germans have to try and come up with their own you know, killer joke. And, and there's a clip of Hitler like standing in front of like a crowd. And he says, how does my dog smell? And then some Hitler youth yells, how does he smell? And Hitler goes, awful. And they all like laugh. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure I butchered it. But, right. but that was always a mystery. Like what? What was the joke? They say it in German. So like the British, you translate it to German. So they don't know what they're saying. Right. But the Germans just die. Yeah. And, yeah. But those kinds of things are just always fun. It's so cool. And it could be. It's completely reasonable that they don't know what the guy was saying. They claim they do. So obviously it's not some big secret of the world. It's probably just like, you know, 
The beef and cheddar at Arby's is delicious. <laughs> London Bridge isn't falling down. <laughs> we actually really, 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 really like creep. Yeah, that's right. Mike Love is the heart and soul of the Beach Boys. Everybody falls down. We love Mike Love's caps. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nobody's fooled Mike Love. So, Matt, we were going to talk about my iron lung also, but we are running out of time. Or even Bones, which is probably my favorite song on the Oh, album. yeah? But that that's today. I mean, tomorrow right. it might be just. We painted ourselves into a corner because in every epipod, we challenge one another to remove a song. If you had to remove a song, mm-hmm. this has been the most difficult one yet, but we're going to go for it. So let's say that uh, Radiohead is threatening to play creep at your, at your kid's birthday party at the beach <laughs> and depress everyone, unless you take a song off creep. So if you had to, Matt, what would it be? There are so many songs, again, that start one way and go a completely different direction than you think. I already hate what you're going to say. <laughs> Because I realize that there's no right answer to there, this. There, there isn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this, this, this is really the, the hardest of the albums we've done. Yeah. If I had to take a song off, it would probably be uh, Bulletproof. that you said that I was going to hate whatever you said, but right. it's uh, true. I hate it. And, and, <laughs> right. 10 minutes from now, I'll probably think, Oh God, it shouldn't have been that one. Yeah. So you had to decide though. So what, yeah. what made it be bulletproof? I went back and forth really between that one and nice dream. Mm-hmm. There's something about both of those that they don't capture my interest as long as the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I was inclined to say, Oh, nice dream. Cause, yeah. cause it, my, Initial recollection of that one was that it got boring. But then you listened to but it. But then I listened to and it. And the ending of it. Right. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can't take that one Yep, off. that's right. So it was just almost by default. I mean, yeah. I had to pick one. Yeah. So it was that one. Okay. What about you? I can't believe I'm saying this, but fake plastic trees. And maybe it's because it was such a radio hit mm-hmm. that I felt it doesn't fit as much with the soul of the album. Mm-hmm. But it's not true. Every song fits. So anything right. I say is, is yeah. not going to be... Now, I don't want to lose the impact Fake Plastic Trees had on getting people to find out about Radiohead and helping them become popular. But there's something about it that feels a little bit like a ballad. Mm -hmm. Ed talked about the first time they tried to record it. It was like bombastic, like November Rain by Guns N' Roses. I kind of felt like it was a ballad that could be left off. You son of a... I know. I know. (laughs) We didn't get to every song. We didn't even get to the brilliant rhythm section that is Colin and Phil... There's so many things that we didn't get to. And so we're just going to have to continue talking about Radiohead. We'll have to do OK Computer. Mm-hmm. And we would love to hear, listeners, what you guys think of the bands. Yeah, thanks again for listening to this episode of Finest Work Songs. And thanks also to everyone who has engaged with us on Twitter, Instagram, at Finest Work Songs, Facebook. We love hearing from everybody, calling out our stupidity sometimes and <laughs> telling us what albums you'd like to review. Please keep that up. We just love the interaction with the listeners. And there are so many great albums out there. So much fun to do this. It's good to be back in person again doing it. Yeah, it's good to see you in person, Matt. We'll be back soon with another Epipod. You guys stay safe, stay sane, and until next time, we hope you 
follow the recommendations of healthcare professionals and stay at home and also support your local economy by ordering takeout. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>